podcast 1.0 welcome everyone <laughs> uh yeah if you're listening to this then uh, this is my first and first and ever podcast actually uh yeah what um i'm going i'm not gonna go too on and on about what i'm gonna do i'm gonna keep it simple i'm gonna read something from the lore tab of destiny 2's lore <laughs> uh, and this lore tab I'm gonna read two books of it and then give my rough opinion about what I find about what I like about this type of uh, <laughs> yeah uh, what I would like about this type of uh, lore so how does it this involve the story of the game? How does it involve the narrative a little bit? How how do I feel like I'm actually enjoying a character more than than I'm that I'm actually act- looking at a character? So not something that's a little bit of a background story, but actual content. Uh, yeah, but without me uh, rambling on about uh, and uh, often. Not coming out of my words that that well. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start with the reading of the first book of the called the Once Ship Steel. Chapter one, the prisoner. In the depths of the prison of elders, Aramis is a kell of no house. Outside. She's firebrand of house devils, archfiend of Twilight Gap, the ship stealer. But here she is no house. Here she reigns all on her own. In the arena where Elixni runs a leaderless cabal challenger, she rules with a broken arc spear for a scepter. It's the strongest weapon they'll give her, and she bends it to her will. No matter how many times the ether fat guards try send her to her death in that arena, she triumphs. She kills their champions, watches the ether hiss from their masks, watches the gel leak out of their suits. She begins to cherish the smell of a good fight. Blood, sweat, ether and fear. She imagines that one day a banner will be emblazoned with a broken spear an inverted crown, house of anarchy, house of riot, house of Aramis, house of nothing. When there is only one Kel, there is no need for houses. Today she fights a centurion of the broken Red Legion. Money changes hands. His pauldrons are scuffed with memory of battle. And he's given a warhammer. He raises it to cheers and peacocks for the crowd. Aramis tosses her broken spear between her hands, waiting. Two glowing pinpoint eyes focus on her as the centurion turns. He swings the hammer at her and she rolls out of the way. He swings it again, but she's behind him now, out of line of sight. 
Like creature searching for a fly on its back, he struggles to find her. She jams the sparking head of her ox spear into a notch in his armor and uses leverage to fold herself onto his shoulder. He rages like a nearsai beast, all fury and stupidity, and nearly throws her from his shoulder. She tries to pull her spear free, but his giant hand knocks her senseless for a moment. The spear releases at the last minute. She grabs the top arc energy bites her palm as she jams the tip of the blade under the edge of his helmet into his neck. He screams. Before he falls, she leaps off and lands on her feet. The crowd never cheers for her. Instead, they whisper. No prisoner will hold Eremis Kel, they say. Eremis Kel is a devil greater than the devils themselves. Eremis Kel does not know how to lose. That was chapter 1, on to chapter 2. Chapter 2 The Wolf The neighboring cell holds a wolf. She ignores him at first. He's too greedy for her acknowledgement. Sometimes he reminds her of the needy drags that follow her old cow like carrion birds, squawking for attention and squabbling over his kills. What Elixni have lost, more than anything else, is the dignity. Eventually, the wolf learns to intrigue her. He calls himself Praxis and has ideas. But he's young. He thinks every idea he conceives of is the first and best of its kind. She suspects he's never had to report directly to a kill. He likes to talk about machines, building them, bending them to his will. He has mad idea about recapturing the great machine, binding it in arc wire, and making it give them its power. He's been listening to the stories about Gaul. She lets him talk. She asks him questions. Every question is weft stone. Every conversation is a test, and will only take one failure to lose her interest. The great machine made Elixir great, she says, until it left us. When it did, we were weaker than we arrived. Why do you seek its touch again? To return us to that strength, he says. His voice is muffled through the wall between them, but the arrogance comes through clear. How can you build strength on a foundation of weakness? She asks. Each word is a needle. Each word should sting him with revelation. He remains silent. Did the great machine make the elixir strong? Or did it draw out the strength within us? She asks. Again, silence. She tilts her head back looking at the dark ceiling of her cell. Reliance is a great weakness. Remember that. You are playing with a child's stacking spheres. 
He's silent so long that she begins to wonder if he's worth her time. Then he says, I will create new spheres. She closes her eyes and smiles. Next book. The Traitor. On the day of the prison break, Aramis nursing a gut wound. It's not fatal, or at least she doesn't think so. She won the match in the arena, but not before an arrogant captain drove a sword into her side. It got through her devil's ropes and left a bloom of blood that remains that reminds her of water flow bleed runs her waterflowers on wreath. Afris loved waterflowers. She's dozing when Varax arrives at her cell. Aramis. She opens her eyes and then narrows them immediately. Despite the wound, she stands. Too quick, she gets dizzy and steps towards the cell door. Traitor! She says in greeting. Varax flinches. He shakes his head, lowers his eyes. Lowers his eyes. Even with the door between them, she can see his fear. It buoys her. There is change to come, he says quietly in a lixney, and then looks over his shoulder. His eyes dart back and forth, fearful, suspicious. He switches suddenly to the clumsy common language of the guardians. Change Varex will make, yes? Change Varex will lead, but Varex too will need a leader. Aramis laughs. You wish to make me your prisoner, Kel? No. Varex wishes. I do not care what you wish, Varex the loyal. She says, there are Elixni who change in the shadow of prison bars. They fall. They shrink, but Aramis has grown. She must show Varex that even with this steel between them, he is smaller. He's still a drag pretending to be a vandal. If there is justice in this world, one day I will dock your last two arms and leave you dead. Some something in Eric's eyes hardens. They share a tense silence. Finally, he says, in a voice as cold as ever. Do not say that Varex did not try to help. He leaves, and Aramis settles herself again on the floor cell. Later that day, an alarm sounds. The warden protects, projects a message in Varex's voice. The door of her cell open, unprompted, as frenzied Elixni and Cabal charge through the prison, thirsting for freedom. Chapter 4 In the first several months of her freedom, Aramis curses Mithrax the Forsaken. He is a wish to be Kel, a captured traitor, a four-armed drag cringing before a false queen. 
playing pretend among the enemies of the Elixni. And worst of all, the most humiliating, he has beaten Aramis. She has failed to acquire the Siva weapon, failed to shame the Guardians, failed to reignite the fires of the House of Devils. Her failure haunts her. Now she sits in the bridge of her stolen catch, straight-spined, staring. Staring at some distant point that she no longer passed. One she can never return to. Atrax, youngest of her council, watches her from across the room. She closes the gap between them. Michael, she says. She has the voice like a child. Aramis is quiet for a beat longer than she needs to be. Finally, she says, You are too young to remember the old house. What the devils were before. Atrax bows her head out of respect. This failure has no sting for you. Aramis bites. Bitter. Atrax keeps her head bowed and slowly raises it. Her eyes dart over Aramis' face, searching. I am too young to remember, she agrees. But my eyes are clear. I can see what the devils will be. Aramis opens her mouth to remind Atrax of her place, and then pauses. Something in her mind has unlocked. She stands to her full, towering height stretches her second set of arms. No, she says. Clarity has descended on her like a wreath rain shower. Devils are nothing. She begins to walk out of the room, purpose in her step, fire reignited in her belly. The devils are dead. House of Anarchy, House of Ruin, House of Aramis. We must become something new. Next book, Chapter 5, The Nightmare. As she dissolves the old bonds of the House of Devils, Aramis is haunted by shadow dreams. And when she relieve, relives Twilight Gap, she lunges, driving a sword into the belly of a guardian soldier, grunting as the yell crumple forward. Another guardian rushes at her head, head on, before she has time to yank the sword free. But she hears the sound of a shock rifle firing behind her, and leans abruptly to the right as the shot flies by and hits the guardian before her with full force. She looks back and sees to see Kredis, shimmering with the purple glow of, of, of the void as her servitor shields her. Kredis tips her head in acknowledgement of Aramis and turns to fire the rifle into another cluster of guardians. Aramis rips her sword free and forges ahead. They are closing in on the city now. Guardians are falling all around her. They are so close. Fast, heavy footballs come up behind her. 
Footfalls come up behind her. Phylax, ferocious and bloodthirsty, shouts to Aramis as she attacks a towering broad-shouldered guardian. Aramis ducks and slides out of the way as Phylax makes contact with the guardian's head. Aramis slashes the beast across his side with her sword. He loses his balance as she kicks his hip, tipping him towards Phylax. In these days, Phylax almost always fights with her bare hands. She breaks his neck. Aramis pushes forward. They are so close. A ferocious laugh erupts to her right, and then thundering blast of a scorch cannon. Tanix, a blur of wearing machinery, creates explosions on earth and flesh and blood all around them. He keeps laughing. So close. But then, before her, a blinding flash of gold. She sees Elixney burst into flames and ash around her as a gun fires sh one shot after another. Pool of shining light are only traces of the victims. The guardian wielding the gun is like a tiny sun. Another shot. Curtis Servitor. Another. Curtis herself. Aramis remembers losing, but she does not remember this. Does, doesn't remember seeing Phylax evaporate into blowing ash. Doesn't remember the shot that hits her in the chest or the burning forehead that explodes through her limbs. Or her own scream. She wakes with a jolt. Breathless. I'm gonna do one more chapter of this. And then I'm gonna give my opinion on what I find of it so far. The dream persists. There are old memories. But twisted, battling a guardian in the prison of elders and falling before their light. Aphris banging on the walls of her sleeping pot, calling for the great machine. She can't sleep. Something in the dreams tells her to travel to Earth's moon, and she follows the sign. On the moon, she fights through corpse stinking hive like a swarm of flies. The fetid stench is unbearable. Worse than a carcass piles at the prison. Worse than the battlefield of Twilight Gap. They eat and breathe death. And she resents their breath upon her. So she cuts through them like so much tall grass. A knight stalks her deep into the catacombs. Staying on the edge of her hearing. Matching her footsteps. She lets it make the first strike. And when it does, she cracks its exoskeleton armor with her sword. The thrill of the fight, hearing the night howl as it meets death, is almost comforting. A reprieve from her unsettling dream. She painted, she's painted with hive blood as she continues her advance. And when she finally comes upon the ship, a familiar sight causes her to freeze in her tracks. She remembers this fleet. She remembers seeing them in the sky like black arrows. 
She remembers the space where the great machine was, and then the blank space where it wasn't. It was all a lesson in dependence, one that took many years to learn. This time, the black arrow speaks to her. She knows it's not the Lixney. It's not one of the clumsy tongues of earth, nor the littling speech of the reef. It's something else. A whisper. But one is that is so loud and somehow understood so perfectly. Stop waiting, it says. No one is coming for you. You must be your own salvation. She feels something in all her four hands. A tingle, a buzz. It reminds her of the broken arc spear. She clenches and unclenches her fists, staring at the sleek surface of the ship. There's power here. Power that she can grasp. But not yet. A waking dream strikes her like lightning. She's transported. The bleak grey dust of the moon falls away, and she stands in the white plain of whipping ice and snow. It blinds her, chases her breath away. Then she's on the moon again, and whispers are silent. She knows where she must go next. And so far the couple of chapters of this book um yeah why i chose to do this for the podcast is actually i like the game and i love the story behind it all the little tits and tats about it so i thought i wanted to talk about it read something and talk about how what i find about the story and what i found about this book in one word explain great I have played the game and I know how it, how the game works and I know the character is in the game but this shows you the story behind this character what drove her to this point in the story what drove her to madness almost and what drove the character that you play to stop her and I find it fascinating that this game, although it may not often have such a great story to tell in game, but if you read the lore behind it, it's very and much more interesting. And that's why I also play this game. It's because all the little tits and tats that it has come together in the end and also it gives us a good storytelling because it leaves because when the next chapter arrives it leaves off where the previous expansion ended and that's what I found very very great about this so the lore that, that I was reading is called The One's Ship Stealer. It's about a game in-game character called Aramis who uses a specific 
power for evil to eradicate humanity so our character decides to fight fire with fire and also learns this power but unlike Aramis our, my character or our character in the game does not get corrupted by it and Aramis does and what I mean by that is that in the lore you if you read on the lore then you find how she came to that point eventually but since it's only let's see 30 minutes to talk about something I have to keep it short so six chapters is enough I think um, yeah uh, if someone if it, you find it interesting to listen to more of this lore or read about it the website that I learned of it is called Ishtar Collective it's very interesting it has tons of game lore in it from a book that is actually if I would have read it now it would have taken me more than an hour to fully read it <laughs> to the story that I'm telling you now uh, yeah I wish I also wish that I had another companion to talk about this with so give a little bit of feedback what he thinks what I think what he or she thinks and what I think but for now I think my opinion on this since I don't know if actually someone likes the same game as I do the opinion that I have now is my own so and this opinion is I like the game I like how they, they are telling the story and with this lore chapter lore book that I read this is one of the most interesting lore books that I've ever read there are also there's also one that's going on now but I'm talking about this lore book that happened a couple of months released a couple of months ago because I find it very very interesting and I hope with me reading it a bit I know it's not typically podcast topic of reading but I find it is um, yeah then can then I say Ishtar Collective it's on Ishtar Collective you just search the ones ship stealer and you can read it on from there uh, this was the podcast 1.0 my name has been and always has will be Dylan Pipping and I hope you enjoyed this content I speak to you soon bye bye later